Well, my friends, we're looking this morning at John chapter 7, and if you turn with me now in your Bibles to John chapter 7, and the announced text is the rather intimidating sounding verses 1 through to 52. So let me immediately encourage you that we're looking primarily at verses 37 to 39, and those are the verses that I will read out. Reminds me of the story of the man who had been asked to give a lecture for no more than 30 minutes, but after 50 minutes, he was still going. And uh, uh, a person at the back of the room became so frustrated, he picked up a gavel and threw it at the speaker. Uh, But his aim was so bad, the man who threw the gavel, that he actually hit a poor woman on the front row. She had been asleep, and so she woke up, and this is what she said, hit me again, I can still hear him. So with that in mind, and on this Communion Sunday, I'm just going to read verses 37 to 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Let me then ask you a question. Are you... Thirsty. Many people today are thirsty for hope. They look around the world in which we live and they wonder where the answers are coming from. Politicians do not seem to have the answer. Religion does not seem to have the answer. They try this and that, they go to counselors, and that can help, but still they find that they have problems that they cannot solve. So let me ask you, are you thirsty? Thirsty for hope, thirsty for help, thirsty for someone that you can believe in and trust and think there is a good future for you and your family? In our text this morning, Jesus is showing us how anyone who is thirsty can find new life from within when they drink from Jesus. Anyone who is thirsty can find new life from within when they drink from Jesus. Are you thirsty? Will you drink from Jesus? And if so, you will experience living water welling up from within. Are you thirsty? The text we're looking at is a very long part of John's gospel, but I believe after my work on my commentary on John's gospel, on John's gospel, 
that it is all appropriately summarized in this section that I just read out, and in particular in verse 37. Here it is once more. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So in the story, Jesus has gone up to this feast. It is the Feast of Tabernacles or booths or tents. It's one of the three great feasts that every male Israelite had to attend. And for seven days in Jerusalem, they lived in booths, in tents. They set them up in their backyard. They put them on the rooftops of their houses. Must have been a lot of fun for the children. And indeed, it was a great celebration. It was a harvest feast filled with joy. Now, why did they do this? The Bible tells us they did this so that your descendants will know that I made the Israelites live in booths when I brought them out of Egypt. In other words, it's to remind God's people there was a time after God had rescued them that they were in the wilderness, that they were in the desert that they were wandering, that they were thirsty and looking for water in that Sinai desert, that arid ground. And this festival was to remind them of that time when God provided for them and when nothing else could. We know from um, rabbinic tradition that in Jesus' time, other elements had been added to this great feast. In particular, a lot of water was used. And the water may have been brought, in, brought up to the temple in a, in a golden goblet. And it was poured into a silver funnel which conveyed the water by pipes to the Kedron Valley, a valley outside Jerusalem, and was then supposed to bless the thirsty land. And on this day, the last and great day of the feast, the priests poured the water into the silver funnel, and the people burst into singing hallelujah. They shook palm branches and sang, oh, give thanks to the Lord. And the priests on this last day went around the altar seven times before the sacrifices were made, and everyone sang songs of Hosanna, and the people left afterwards, shaking off the willow leaves on the altar, beating the palm branches into pieces to indicate the end of this great feast. And it is possible in all likelihood that it was at this moment when there was a pause after the great singing of hallelujah and hosanna and rejoicing, and all was momentarily quiet as the people were leaving, that at this moment Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In other words, he is the new exodus from spiritual slavery. In other words, he is the one that you must go to in order to drink if you are thirsty. 
I actually once preached this text standing on a table in a bar in the University of Durham. And all around me there were people drinking beer. And I stood up and said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to Jesus and drink. Are you thirsty? What is it that you are using to numb the pain that you sense, the lack of hope that you feel? Is, is, it, is it alcohol? You come home from a busy day at work and you have a few margaritas and you feel better? And then you feel much worse in the morning. Is it some kind of narcotic, a pill? A pain relief pill that was prescribed by a doctor, but you've kept on using it far past the necessary medical requirements? Is it just entertainment? Movie after movie that makes you forget for a while your sense of meaninglessness, your Death by suburbia, as one book put it. The same old round again and again and again. You might need help. You might need hope. You might look for a hero. I think that's why all these superhero movies are so popular today. We're looking for someone we can believe in, something credible. Are you thirsty? If so, drink from Jesus. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. We say, how how do I drink from Jesus? What does that mean? Well, Jesus tells us that we must believe. Verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. People today are so confused by what it means to believe. They come up with all sorts of other religious ideas. It reminds me of the story of the bishop who heard a fiery young preacher give a particularly arresting illustration and decided to use it himself. The illustration of this fiery young preacher went like this. The happiest days of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. To shocked pause in the congregation, after a moment he said, in the arms of my mother. Well, the bishop thought that was brilliant. Decided he would use it himself. Next opportunity. And so he stood up before that congregation and he said this, The happiest days of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. And there was a similar shocked pause. So pleased was the old bishop by this effect that he entirely forgot the punchline. (laughs) And instead concluded, but for the life of me, I cannot remember whose. Was that you? You've been through the rigmarole, through the routine. You've heard all the stories, but you cannot remember who or how you get this 
living life, this water of life. Jesus says it is through faith. He does not say it means just repeating the creed. Creeds are good. That's not what Jesus says here. He does not say it just means saying that God exists. God does exist, but even the demons think that God exists and they tremble. That's not what Jesus says here. Jesus does not say, be a good person and you'll have living water welling up from within. And being a good person is a good thing. It's not what Jesus says. He says, you must believe in me. That means trust. You must entrust your life to him. I knew one person who was a Buddhist who had been looking and looking for answers. But he found no help or hope there. The great Buddha on his deathbed even said that uh, he commended to his followers to keep on looking for the truth. There's no hope or help there. I knew a man who was a Sikh, the Sikh religion, who came to trust in Jesus, and we baptized him. He drank from Jesus. He trusted in him. It is something personal. If you trust someone, you are willing to put your life in their hands. You entrust yourself to them. You're willing to let them drive you in their car. You trust them. You take their words as reliable. Have you trusted Jesus? Are you trusting Jesus now? Are you trusting him personally and wholly? To believe in Jesus means to trust him. And therefore, it means to trust what he says about the Bible, that it is the truth. Verse 38, as the Scripture has said. Jesus has a very high view of the Bible. We who believe in Jesus should also have a very high view of the Bible. Not for us the downgrade that makes the Bible of minimal importance to church or education or anything else. No, no. As the Scripture has said, the Bible is the answer and that is the voice that we must listen to from the Scriptures. Jesus had a high view of the Bible. We who believe in Jesus are to have a high view of the Bible. There are many possible texts from the Old Testament that Jesus could be referring to, or it may be that Jesus is summarizing a whole thread throughout the Scriptures rather than quoting a particular verse. Either is possible. Uh, to my mind, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1, best sums up the spirit of what Jesus is saying. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. When we trust Jesus, we trust the truth of the Bible, and the Bible calls us to trust Jesus. 
You know, there's an old Soviet joke back in the days when Russia was under the atheistic Soviet regime. They came up with many jokes that helped them get through the trauma of that time in their history. And one Soviet joke goes like this. There's an American who's been taken on a uh, tour of hell. And there he is, and he comes to a huge boiling cauldron of hot oil, and in it are all the English. And on the rim of this boiling cauldron, there are demons sitting there, pushing the people back in again when they try to get out. He goes further on his tour around hell, and he sees there's another hot, huge, boiling cauldron of of oil, and there are many people in it in agony. It's, it's the French this time. And once more on the rim of this boiling cauldron, there are demons pushing the people back in when they try to get out. He goes a little further, and there's one more huge boiling cauldron of hot oil. This one is for the Russians. But around the rim of this boiling cauldron, there are no demons sitting there pushing the people back in again. And so the American asks, why, why is that? Ah, that's because when a Russian tries to get out of the boiling cauldron, the other Russians drag him back down. Was that you? Do not let what a friend tells you, what a work colleague tells you, what a family member tells you, drag you back down. No, drink from Jesus. It means to trust Him. It means to trust that what He says is the truth. And it means actually to commit to Him, to to try, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Would you drink from Jesus? Not from me. From Him. Would you try to see if the hope, the help, the hero you need is found by trusting the truth of Jesus? Would you drink from Jesus? If you do, you will experience living water welling up from within. Verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I said, what does that mean? What does it mean, flowing out of my heart, rivers of living water? What could that possibly mean? Well, verse 39 Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. It's about the work of the Spirit. See, many people think that believing in Jesus is merely something intellectual, something theoretical. It is not. It is something spiritual. 
When Jesus died on the cross, He rose again from the dead, and then He ascended to glory. He was glorified. And from heaven, He poured out on those who believe in Him the gift of His Spirit. Out of His heart will flow rivers of living water. That's what it's like to have the Spirit of God within you. It's like having rivers of living water. It's like having a spring of water welling up from within, from your heart. In other words, even if you are in a desert, even if you feel like you are wandering in the Sinai desert, even if you are in a desert now because of what Christ has done, you have the Spirit of God within. You have water welling up within. You don't need to go to some other pool somewhere else, some other water supply somewhere else and look for water. It is now the Spirit of God within. You have the presence of God within you. You have hope and meaning and the power of God within you. So Christian, be encouraged. You have that which philosophers and leaders down through the centuries have longed to find. You have the Spirit of God within you. And this is not religion. It is relationship with Jesus. I like the story of the castaway, the man who was marooned on a desert island, and he was there for many years. Finally, when he was rescued, uh, his rescuers discovered that this man who had been marooned on a desert island had built for himself not one hut, not one shelter, but three right next to each other. And so they asked him why this was. Why have you built for yourself three huts, three shelters? Ah, said the man, well, the first one is uh, where I live. I said, well, yes, okay. What about the others? He said, well, the second one is where I worship. That's where I go to church. I said, okay, well, what about the third? Ah, said the man, that's where I used to go to church. It's the work of the Spirit within. That's what Jesus offers. You say, what does that mean? It means that even if everyone else rejects you, he will never. You have the seal of the Spirit within you. You know where you are going for all eternity. It means that even if you were thrown into jail and put in an isolation unit, you are still not alone. There are many stories of this down through years of Christians who find that even in an isolation unit, they experience great intimacy with God. You're not alone. You can't be alone. You have the Spirit of God within you. 
It means that even if you are exhausted, physically tired, as we all get from time to time, nonetheless, you still have an inner power that cannot grow tired or weary. Even youths grow tired and stumble, but those who hope in the Lord will roar up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not grow faint. That's you. You're not an empty receptacle looking all the time to be helped or filled by some experience or other, some narcotic, some alcohol, some buzz. No, you have the Spirit of God within you. You're not looking for those broken cisterns to find some kind of experience. You have wells of living water within. You have something to share with other people. You can go and give people the good news of Jesus. You've you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You can be brave in the face of adversity, peaceful in the midst of a storm. Joyful in a desert. For you have the living water welling up from within. Isn't it great to be a Christian? Wouldn't you like to be one? Anyone who's thirsty can find new life from within when they drink from Jesus. Let me ask you one more time. Are you thirsty? If so, drink from Jesus. And if you do, you will experience living water welling up from within. Oh, Lord, we do ask that you would do that for us this morning. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials... His multiplied peace, His grace has no measure, His love has no limit, His power no boundary unto men, for out of His infinite riches in Jesus, He giveth and giveth and giveth again. O oh Lord, we wish to drink from you this morning.